RadioInfluence.com. All right, we are in the deep, dark winter up in the Northeast. Um, so we're all just thinking about ourselves. We're in quarantine. It's zero fun. Um, but I know that sometimes you guys like it when here on America's Best Friend, we talk about more serious things, uh, but not a Debbie Downer way. She is, I say this every time, but she she is legitimately one of my favorite people. I am uh, honored that she takes my calls and my texts. Um, she's the mom of four. She is a well-respected dermatologist. Her name is Dr. Danielle D. Horatius. What is up? <laughs> now, just so you know, like, when I tell people that you're my dermatologist, because you're my dermatologist, they, they look at me like I'm a smart person because I picked the right one. You know that, right? <laughs> Why, thank you very much. <laughs> seriously, like other doctors are like, you know, Jen, you're kind of a dumbass. I can't believe you figured out how to find. <laughs> Truth be told, I was uh, referred to you by Dr. Bernstein, who I think a lot of people also respect. Fair? Yeah, absolutely fair. Okay. So we are not here to talk about skin, although... Everyone knows I record these via Zoom so I can see your skin. And it's gorgeous. Um, we are here to talk a little bit about something that is, uh, it, it could have been a lot worse, right? So for lack, and, and I know that people know this, like when I talk about serious stuff, when I talk about the death of my sister, it's not that I don't feel sadness and I don't feel a quiet in my heart. And I think that we need to talk about these things as women, as men, as humans, um, candidly, but we can also smile because there are some gifts, if you will, in what we're about to talk about. So you right now are undergoing treatment for breast cancer. Yes. True. Yes. I'm at the tail end of it. Thank goodness. I, I said, I wanted to talk to you during it because, to, you know, Sadly, two of my friends had breast cancer. Wonderfully, they're doing great. Um, but I, they didn't want to talk about it when they were in the middle of uh, of treatment because it was a dark, dark place. I know that you have, again, four kids. You have this big job. You've got a great husband by all accounts. So I think you're, it seems like you're, manage, you're managing the horribleness well. And I wonder if it's because you have so many distractions. Well, I definitely have distractions. And I mean, there are some things that I debated about what to do when I was originally diagnosed, but because I know I have friends that have had breast cancer and people keep it a secret. But part of, first of all, when you have four kids, there's not many secrets in your life. Yeah. Um, and then when you're a dermatologist who loves her job, who works all the time, I knew I was going to have to take a leave at some point of time. And I knew that people would know that something was wrong because there would be no reason why I would ever not work. Um, yeah. one knows that because I have four kids, I probably wasn't having another kid. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't why I was out on medical leave. So let's begin sort of with the beginning. You basically are the reason why you were diagnosed. And by that, I mean, you went for routine mammograms like we all do. And um, originally in this particular instance, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, you were told you did not have breast cancer, right? That's correct. And then you wanted someone to look at the scan or look at the image, not once, not twice, but three times. You you basically really pushed because did you sense that something was wrong? 
I don't know that I, I think my mistrust, unfortunately, in mammography was my biggest issue because I think it's a really difficult test. It's difficult not only for the people that read it, but it's really like if you looked at a mammogram, it looks like clouds. Like I'm radiology is, is a difficult specialty to begin with, but it's one of the hardest things to read. So in my opinion, like the more heads, the better in this study. So that's what I was operating on. Uh, I am fortunate enough to be married to a radiologist. So that's really was one of the keys. And he has a wonderful partner who always says, I'll check your mammograms, you know, for you if you want. So I always check her up on it. I always, I always ask, I say, why not? You can't, can't hurt. So I was thinking nothing of it. I, after my routine mammography in February, I always get a copy of the disc and I gave it to my husband and it was March. We were heading to Blue Mountain and the disc was sitting on the front seat of the car. And I totally made a joke to him saying, I don't do you any good dead. Will you get her to check this, you know, this mammogram? Yeah, I didn't feel anything. I felt good. I was in good shape. I was running three times a week. There was nothing for me to think that anything was wrong. Like no idea. And so he's like, I know, I know. I just didn't want to leave the disc sitting around. I'll get her to look at it this week. And that Wednesday, she looked at it and I got a text from my husband saying she wants to call you to talk about it. Is it okay if she calls you? And I was like, mm, this isn't good. And yeah. she was very nice. And she said, oh, I think we need to do a biopsy on some things. And then when he came home from work, he looked like he saw a ghost. So I had an idea that, it, you know, things were not going to go well. <laughs> did he, there did, so out. did she tell him what she thought yeah. was up? Yes. And he, he's a jerk. I hate your husband. I went from loving him. Like, can't he call and be like, yo, does he call you Danny? What does he call you? No, Danielle. <laughs> to like my face, Danielle, who knows what he calls me? That's true. But if the asshole that I'm married to, like, was like, I'm going to, I'm going to have Sue call you. I would be like, come on. And then you get off the phone with his colleague. Did you try to call him back? No, because I, I you know, I was going to have lots of questions and he doesn't do mammograms. So he would have no idea. So he just probably did the smart move and took himself out of the equation. He is of no use to any of us. This is not, this is not. <laughs> so you go back, you're a doctor. You People can already tell, I'm sure, just the sound of your voice. Like you're a very positive person. Yes. Incredible, thorough, all that jazz. Like, do you, do you sleep that night? I did. I did. Because you know what? It I really felt like I will deal with whatever it is and like with, you know, staring forward with two feet on the ground and I will figure it out. Yeah. I got, we're in oh, America and we both live in the Philadelphia area for people who listen. We've got like 87 hospitals. Okay. So that yeah, we, I mean, we have, been like, we have the best medical care in the country. So I knew that I was going to have a great team with lots of people involved and it was going to be fine. Okay. So then you wake up the next morning or whatever when, how long was it plot twist? It's going to get bad guys, guys, but it's going to be fine. But anyway, how, how long was it until you figured out it was really, really bad? Well, that okay. night when I saw my husband, I figured it was really, really bad. But then the next morning, this same radiologist called me the first thing in the morning. Cause she knew I had Thursday off and she's like, so I want you to come up and get an ultrasound of your lymph nodes today. If you can <laughs> today. And so then I was like, mm, this isn't good. And then, um, that afternoon, I had planned to do the biopsy the following week, but that afternoon, 
Um, and, and I just assumed because they were like, well, can't you do it tomorrow? And I was like, no, I have patients scheduled and I'll never cancel patients. Like I have patients scheduled, like yeah. I'll do it next Thursday when I'm off. So then I got a call from my husband's boss, um, at Abington. And he said, um, you're going to come tomorrow. Uh, and, and we'll see you then. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll free up my schedule. So that night I called the patients that I had scheduled for Friday morning and I moved them to the afternoon and I, I had the biopsy that Friday. Did your husband's boss have to do the biopsy? No, no. The woman who, yeah. who, who saved my life did it. Aww. Okay. So then it was really terrible. Yeah. The diagnosis. Horrible. I do say the biopsy is horrible. And a man invented uh, the table that you lay on for those women that have had a, a biopsy before it was invented. The table was invented by a man. You're like, being, well, you're being harpooned like a whale. Like you're laying on your front, your boobs hanging through a hole in the table and they're like harpooning you. That's it. That's what it is. That's and then, then they put the needle in and you have to get a mammogram essentially or something so they can make sure the needle is where the, they want the biopsy to be. It's, the whole thing is like terrible. They're stabbing you in the boob while you're face down on a cold table? Yeah, yes, exactly. That's terrible. It's terrible. So I hate Whoever to be- Whoever invented that table, they're dead to me too. <laughs> right. and the whole time, like I've had, you know, critical diagnoses, you know, and I always look at the nurses. The nurses can freaking tell. And you could see it on their faces. Like, I'm sure there was more than one person involved in this whale harpooning operation. Yeah. Like, can you, can you feel the weight of the room when you're in there with them? Um, not really, but I think that's because I was not negative. Cause like, yeah. whatever it is, it, it is like, I had to get it done. So it was just, I, it wasn't that negative. We were playing, they were playing good music on the radio. They let me pick whatever I want, you know, what music do you like? So it was good. And then after that, how long does it take before they tell you what's up? Well, I think mine was a little bit heightened because of the situation, because it was missed by previous yeah. you know, readers. So mine was, I got the diagnosis Monday night. I had the biopsy Friday morning and I got the diagnosis Monday night. And what'd they say? Well, so the surgeon um, who, who ordered the biopsy was the one that ultimately called me. And she just said, you know, I, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but it came back as cancer. And that Did was you it. Cry? Um, I did not cry. I probably used bad language. <laughs> and then I left the house. <laughs> you did? I did. You yeah. didn't want anyone to see you like your kids and stuff? Well, I was really, really upset and angry. And I just felt like it would serve no purpose for me to be that upset around my kids. So I left. So are you driving around the neighborhood mad? Like where'd you I go? Drove, I drove around the corner and then I stopped driving and you know, the, the surgeon, um, uh, whose name is Jen Sable, who's great, really calmed me down and said, we're going to figure this out. You know, what do you want to do? And I had already known that I would have a mastectomy if I had ever had breast cancer, just because I just knew. And, yeah. you know, he asked who I was going to use and, and you know, when do you want to get started and that sort of thing. So we, you know, things moved pretty quickly, even that night that I got the call. Yeah. And this is like, so if everyone knows, like, this is like literally days before COVID lockdown. Like we're now in like February, March, right? Oh, yeah. It was the end of March. It was the, the, the country shut down the Friday I had the biopsy. Like the kids got a two week break off from school. The Friday I had the biopsy it was there. Right, we're thinking they're coming back in two weeks. 
Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Hi, January 2021. <laughs> <Exactly>. Stupid COVID. <laughs> All right. So one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is that, you know, everyone has their own diagnosis. So to, to talk about your specific thing would, you know, only help people with your specific thing. But that's a highly medical, technical conversation. <laughs> but one of the things that people talk about doing, just to be clear, like Dr. DeHoratius is a beautiful human being, but I wouldn't <laughs> consider you vain. Is that fair? That's fair. Like, she's not one of these dermatologists. You'll, you're not here. Pretend you're not here. Like, you know, the dermatologists that you go in and they have like had all that dermatology can give. And by that, I mean... Their faces pumped up, their faces lasered off, their boobs are big and gorgeous. They're supermodels, right? Like, and just to be clear, if I was a dermatologist, daddy, I would be Barbie dermatologist. I'd be turned <laughs> Barbie, okay? I would be like, okay, office staff, I need new boobs, less cut. If you can stretch me to six feet tall. My point with this is that, so you're not super vain, and not that you have to be vain to do this, but there's something called cold cap. Is that the, am I using it right? Yes. Yeah. 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 And what it is, is like, you, you don't lose your hair if you're going to chemo for lack of a better, Right. basically people, my aunt is actually going through breast cancer right now in Florida. I haven't seen her. And she was like over at my dad's house playing with her wig. And I was like, oh shit. So, and my dad was like, yeah, she's already like, it doesn't take long for chemo to wreck your head. Yeah. No, it happens. I mean, I, I lost a fair amount of hair, but, but I still like, if you saw me on the street, you wouldn't be like, Oh, that lady's must be getting chemo. You know, um, I, it's called cold capping and I'm so grateful that I did it and I am not vain at all, but I was so surprised at my sort of reaction about the possibility of losing my hair, even though I'm not vain because it implies this sort of illness and, and sadness when people look at you. And I, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to see that. And I didn't want to feel that. And I also didn't want my kids to um, see me without hair. That was the other big, cause they're little, you know, I, my youngest is five at the time she was four. And I just didn't want her to, I just didn't want her to be like, what's wrong with mom. I mean, the, yeah. it was already hard enough. And so um, there's lots of companies that do it. I, I did something called the Arctic cold cap was the company that I used um, but there's a bunch of them out there and it can was everyone like, get it. Like, do, do you have to have a certain kind of chemo to get it or can everyone do it? Everyone can do it. It's expensive. That's the only catch, but they have different price points. You know, they have different options because of COVID. I did not have a lot of options because some of the options involve family members coming with you and do changing the caps every 10 or 15 minutes. And at the time my treatment started, they weren't allowing family members to come with me. So I didn't have that option. Like I yeah. could try and do it myself, but that would be way too hard. So, um, so I did, um, I did the company sent somebody and she was a lovely person. So wait, does the person come to your house? So, um, they don't come to your house. Cause for the chemo that I got the first, the first chemo that I got, the first two drugs doesn't, they don't cause hair loss, but the second two drugs too. So they start the cap an hour before that drug that causes hair loss goes in your IV or whatever. So you're like at the hospital, you go or the doctor, wherever center, you go there an hour early to get plugged into this cold cap thing. 
Correct. She, no, the lady comes and she brought a machine and it, the machine was actually, so they say, invented by a, a NASA technology and they they pump water that's minus four degrees Celsius through this like sort of old school football helmet looking thing. And it, it just essentially freezes your head and then you wear it the entire time during the infusion and then for four hours after. So she came home with me. To the house. Like, are you driving like you and nurse ratchet are driving home with this thing on your head? Yeah. You wear it the whole time and you're freezing, right? Like I think I texted you and you thought you were going to die of freezing. I mean, no, it's freezing, but I also put my hands and feet in ice water. What? Yeah. Why'd you do that? Because to prevent neuropathy, which is like where you have trouble with your hands and feet during chemo, I obviously didn't want that for various reasons. And so you ice your hands and feet too. So I had my hands and feet in ice. And then this lovely woman, Christina, was literally feeding me ice chips because that prevents your esophagus from like ulcering. So I'm eating ice. This did not come up in the text. This did not come up. Like... Okay, but holy crap. Yeah. I, you know, I, I have to say, like, you know, um, when I went with my one friend that we both know to the first chemo, they send you home with a list, a list of instructions. Like, if people have never had a friend that has cancer, like, well done, okay? Um, but the reason why people are, like, giving food and candles and Ouija boards and whatever they can to people going through chemo is, like, they send you home with this, you're a doctor, but it's like, okay, in 50, hours you have to take a claritin because you might feel like your brain's exploding I'm like, right there's gotta be a better way and so <laughs> no. when you that you're like chugging ice and ice bathing yourself there has to be a better way no i know it's it's like chinese torture a little bit and then you had to do that for four like all together like six hours so the hair stuff no the hair stuff was about eight hours by the time start to finish Um, the hands and feet, I only started 15 to 30 minutes before the infusion. And I would took them out 15 minutes after the infusion and eating the ice. So that was less, which was good because that was hard to do. So, you know, like they have these TV shows where they're called like grit and they have people like putting their feet in ice baths and they can make it like 60 seconds. You know that? Yes. Yes. This is definitely grit. Did you ever think that you were going to get, um, frostbite on your feet or your hands? I was a little worried, but I wore like. I wore on my feet, I wore a thin layer of like a thin sock. And then I wrapped my feet in, in a uh, Ziploc bags and then taped them around my ankles. And on my hands, I wore like a thin, thin glove. And then I put them in those yellow, like dishwashing gloves. All right. Are you still doing this craziness? No, that was only for the, the, <laughs> the bad, bad chemo, not the immunotherapy. Do you think, and so obviously with the bad, bad chemo, you guys feel terrible all the time. It's a revolving like 10 day thing. Like you're up, you're down, right? It's like you're tired, you're sick. Yeah, I felt terrible probably the weekend. You know, I got my infusions on Thursday. I felt terrible the weekend. Like that Sunday was a terrible day. And then you're slowly climbing out of it. Like, you know, I was like chugging along until like the week before you have to get treated. And you're like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it's here again. Like, yeah. I want to get treated because I finally feel back to normal. And yeah. then, but does the ice craziness like take your brain off of that a little bit? Cause you're like, 
I am a psychopath doing this ice. Like I would think like when, when I have to be outside for work, you know, sometimes I'm always like, I'm a construction worker. Like, you know, for the inaugurations, for instance, inauguration, I had to wake up at two. And I knew I was going to be outside with nowhere to pee for seven hours minimum. And I got psyched for, I'm like, I'm not going to worry about the threats to my personal security, which by the way, was totally fine. But like, I wasn't going to worry about any of that jazz because I had the focus of where am I going to not pee for seven hours in front of me. <laughs> right? So like, did, you, did the ice thing help you have a little bit of a distraction or no? No, the, I, they give you Benadryl before. So that actually made me drowsy that I wasn't, I was like, just, I just had to get through it. Like, as I said to people, you just got to dig down deep and get through it. And so that's what I did. And I'm looking at your hair. Your hair looks fine. Yeah. I have like a little patch that's shorter. So if the wind blows funny, I look like I have a weird mullet, but uh, usually it looks fine. Yeah. What is the thing that wasn't as bad as you suspected? Was there one thing where you're like, eh, I got nervous about that for no big deal? Um, not, I didn't really do a lot of research because I knew it was going to be bad. And I'm one of those people where like, so in the first chemo treatment, the nurse sat down and was like, okay, let's go through the side effects. And after like the fifth thing she described, I was like, do we have to do this? And she's like, not really. And she's like, why? And I was like, cause I don't have a choice. It's not like I can say, oh, I really don't like that side effect. Hold that drug. I was like, let's just like cut it and just, I'll let you know if I'm having trouble. <laughs> Because, yeah, because they give you someone to call, right? That yeah, like, absolutely. Yes. And the nurses were wonderful. The nurses, yeah. there are special people that work in those infusion centers. Dude, you know what I did when my friend, her first one, and it was terrible and it was awful. I literally pulled over one of the nurses and I'm like, why do you work? Yeah. She's like, excuse me. I'm like, this is the most horrible place I've ever been. I'm like, is it because you work Monday through Friday? And she's like, excuse me. And I'm like, what is the benefit of watching people not dying? Like, that's really what it is. You guys that go in there and do this and God bless you. And I hope that I never, ever, 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 ever have to go through one second of what any of you guys go through. But I was like, if I'm a nurse of all the places I'm working, it's not where the people go to get chemo. <laughs> but they make such an impact on people's lives. I know. So like, it, do they it, go home? You think they go home and hug their kids? Cause I would. I'd be oh, like, for sure. For sure. And that was a sad thing is like, I would have loved to have, you know, treated them to lunch or to, like to do something. But with COVID, I, I'm, I was like scared to do anything. You can't like, yeah. you can't bring anything. No one could come with me. You're by yourself, except for, you know, because yeah. I had, you know, the hair lady with me. Um, so it was kind of depressed, you know, I think non COVID times, there's probably a lot more fun on the infusion center. It was, Oh a, yeah. It's a, it's a party all the time over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, they get mad. They're all like, I was trying to get my friend like applesauce and they're like, why do you need applesauce? I don't need applesauce. My friend who was strapped to a chair with a needle in her chest, <laughs> like applesauce. <laughs> dummies but I love you but yeah I mean it does it's just it's insane and then you know like um this person's husband was like you know in 10 years we're going to be wondering why we put agent orange in our system like I was like not today buddy yeah not no not, not helpful <laughs> you think, how many daughters do you have one one when she's your age are they gonna are they gonna do it is she gonna uh, 
her friends, not her. I don't want her. But like, are they going to be doing this to people? Well, it's so crazy. Even my husband commented, like, these are dr- like two of the four drugs I got are like our, you know, archaic drugs that were used years and years ago. Now, two of the other drugs were, you know, life altering in the field of breast cancer. One is was approved in the 90s, early 90s, and has saved, you know, a ton of people. And the other is more newly approved, but is along the same category. But like, they still do the old tried and true. And that's, that's, those are the ones that give you a lot of the side effects. Why can't, look, I, we, you have zapped my chest. And I was like, why are we doing it this way? Like, why can't they figure out how to fix us without buckling us? I think eventually they will. And I hope it's in our lifetime, but you know, who knows? Like the crap that women are doing to their faces, peeling them and freezing them and heating them. And (laughs) I'm like, dude, wear SPF and just put on extra lip liner. Right. Um, Where are you now in your treatment? What's, what's happening? I had, um, so I did the, the bad chemo and then I had a mastectomy with uh, flap reconstruction in August. You like your new boobs? Uh, yeah. Again, I'm not that vain. So, and I, you know, I weren't, I wasn't really attached to my boobs, although I was upset the morning of surgery, yeah. but I still can't believe organs that you don't even need once you're done feeding your kids can kill you. So I'm still not over that. Um, I, yeah, that's right. But I cannot believe how real they look. I, it's amazing. It's really amazing. Science is amazing. My surgeon was amazing. It, it's it was incredible. Um, I, I like if you saw me and right now I I have, you know, you could still see the scars a little bit, but I think over time they'll fade and and with the help of Eric Bernstein's laser they'll fade as well. Um, you would never even notice. Like if you feel them, like it's you, they look just like regular boobs. It's crazy. Congratulations on your new boobs. So yeah. So Josh, 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 I always say it's Foss. No, but it's spelled Foss. Not he was my plastic surgeon and was really incredible. Okay. So how are your kids now? Like we're almost closing in on a year on this. Yep. How are they doing? They're good. I mean, I think that. Um, my kids did so well because I have an amazing community of people that really helped out. I have very dear friends that like pitched in, did the biggest thing was like a meal train because you're going through all these treatments. I was trying to work too, because it was important for me to continue to do that, to have like a purpose and to get through things. And you can't sit in a house during a pandemic, like, I talked about it because I was worried about getting COVID during chemo. And I thought, is it a bad idea that I work and I get exposed to people at the office? But the oncologist really felt like the the risk benefit, it was still a big benefit for me to continue to work. So um, I think my kids are doing so well because of the community, because we didn't really miss a beat. And if I was feeling really, really bad, I, you know, a friend would come over and distract the kids so that they didn't have to see that. Um, and now here's a funny story. So the nights I got my chemo, um, I had a friend of mine would pick up Chick-fil-A because my husband could handle doling out Chick-fil-A for dinner. Right. And so we got, you know, the Christina, the hair lady got Chick-fil-A, everybody got Chick-fil-A. So 
I only got that for the first handful of treatments. So my daughter uh, in the in the late summer was like, mom, can you have chemo again so we can get Chick-fil-A? Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, we got to break this association. <laughs> so a couple of friends of mine periodically will bring over Chick-fil-A just to break that, uh, yeah. that habit. <laughs> I know because they're so honest, right? Yes. You know, yeah. with- and they were scared to come near me when I had that helmet on, the cold cap on. They sat in the other room. I'm sure everyone was afraid. I would have been afraid. Yeah, it just was weird. But they, they're they doing pretty well. I mean, again, the community support has been amazing. My kids' school has been incredibly supportive and in reaching out. And if we needed something extra, you know, both Radnor Middle School and Radnor Elementary School have been great about that. So, and all his all their teachers have been wonderful where my daughter goes, the West Hill school have been like, let me know if you need anything, what can we do? And so that's made it all okay. Because if I needed something, I, I felt okay to reach out and to ask someone. And luckily I haven't needed that much because everyone's been so great and have taken care of a lot of stuff. Okay. So have you used this for good? And, but for this, I mean, have you said to your kids, like, Clean up your room, you little monsters. <laughs> I had cancer. <laughs> no, I haven't. Dude, <laughs> have you said to your husband, I deserve a day at the spa because I had cancer and you can't even give out Chick-fil-A by yourself. <laughs> I did say I would like a vacation with, uh, there was, my childcare has been amazing. My, the childcare that I had, you know, pre diagnosis stuck around, which she didn't have to do that. And then one of our old babysitters from back when my second son was born is a nurse. And she was lovely, lovely, lovely and moved home and in with us Wow! because I had so many restrictions after the reconstruction. Cause I mean, this, the incision on my abdomen goes from behind my one hip to behind the other. So like I couldn't do laundry. And with four kids, it's at minimum a load a day, like at yeah. minimum. If no one changes their clothes, it's a load a day. So uh, luckily this woman, Gwen, moved in with us. And so from July to December was really, you know, my shadow and and helped the kids and did the laundry and got the meals together. And and so that was great. So I could have... You're taking her on a vacation. So her and I are going to go on a vacation. <laughs> was the point of that story? And my husband can't. Are you proud of me that I got that? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. My husband's not involved in this, is he? Because that's blank. No, 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 Gwen. Yeah, no. <laughs> and then you know, like, um, I decided to start a challenge today. I'm going to walk 100 miles in nine w- weeks, which isn't really that. It's not putting your feet in an ice bath or anything. Like, do you feel like you were always healthy before? Are you going to be like the healthiest person on planet earth? Are you going to be eating Chick-fil-A? Like, what do you, what's, what happens next? I don't think anything's going to change because I was pretty healthy before. Like I needed to exercise more, but with, you know, it was hard until Katie got a little older, it was hard to exercise. So I am going to exercise more, but I was really doing that actually before I got diagnosed. So I'm just going to continue that. Um, I don't really eat that poorly. Like that's the thing I do. I know there's a lot of stuff about not eating sugar with cancer, like the anti-sugar. And I just, I really like sugar. So I'm not, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not prepared to not have cookies. Yeah. But obviously I don't eat a lot of sugar because I'm not 500 pounds. Right. No, I mean, I joke, I did have enough fat to make boobs, 
but because <laughs> that's well, where congratulations. They, that's where they, they take the fat from your stomach and move it north. But uh, but, you know, that's I definitely have enough fat for that. If, right. if anyone's listening and needs some fat, you come on over to my house and harvest my tongue. Right. Can they do that? <laughs> no. Is that a thing? Well, that's the thing. I used to joke with my medical assistant, like we used to joke about this like soft area in the middle. I was like, I'm saving it for when I need boobs. And then I actually did. <laughs> do you also think not to be a cheesy McCheeserson? Your attitude through the whole thing, it really has been as good as it can be. And they do say that if you have a good attitude, you have a good outcome. I mean, obviously, you know, you can. It doesn't always work like that, but I mean, it, you got to believe it helped, right? Oh, I definitely think it helped. I have I have faith in the system. I have faith in my doctors. Again, I have wonderful friends, so that all made it easy. And I love my job. I love my patients. I got to go to work every day. You know, I slowed down for sure, um, but like it was great. And there were some patients that I like. Some people would ask, and I would tell them because it again, it couldn't be a secret. It, it, when you're getting yeah. a year's worth of treatment, it just couldn't be a secret. I was shocked at how many people, like there were some patients that literally started crying. And I was like, oh. you can't be more upset than I am. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's going to be all right. I'll be okay. <laughs> and there were some dark days. I mean, were the recovery from the surgery, the surgery was 11 hours. Mm. That's a long, you know, that's a long surgery. But that night, I texted with my surgeons and they're like, this was the first, you're the first person I've texted to. I said, I'm doing fine. I was fine. Nine o'clock. I was totally fine. You're a weirdo. So, yeah. So do you give other people advice? Like, so I always say like, you know, when you got sick, I said to my friends, like, what would you guys have wanted? And they all say the meals, they say the meals. And I'm like, can't they just order out Chick-fil-A or what? But they said like, just knowing it was coming and I didn't have to right. think about it. Exactly. I was so amazed. At first I was resistant. And then my one friend Lee was like, Danielle, people want to do stuff. Like, so like either I'm going to figure something out or you have to accept something. And then I have to say like the meals were, were a lifesaver and, and we're still getting some of them because I'm still getting those, those infusions. And they were great because it's home cooked. And like, People always ask, like, well, what do you want? I'm like, whatever is easiest. Like, we'll figure it out. And my kids really didn't get sick of anything. We didn't get anything too much. Everyone was generous. Like, it just was great. And I think I'll never, I'll never fully be able to say, like, why did this happen to me? Right. I like I think of, I think of, I think of myself as a physician. And I think, well, I have empathy. I didn't need to get sick. Like, there are a lot of doctors that I think could use some empathy. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think I fall in that category. <laughs> But I will tell you that since being diagnosed, I've had the privilege to really help some people that have since also been diagnosed. And so maybe that was my purpose to be a better, you know, I'm now an even better patient because I went through this experience. So I can say like, you're going to come out the other end. I know you will because I did. I don't know. But there have been people that I've, I, that have been diagnosed with breast cancer that I know have to go through a mastectomy. And I, I have said, like, do you want to see my scars? I'll show you my scars. Like, I'm not bashful about it because if it'll make them easier going please, through. By the way, when the bars open up, please don't do this in a bar. Yeah. <laughs> Only if I make more money. No. <laughs> but like, you know, because it's hard. All, all you do is see pictures. Now, again, as a dermatologist, I'm able to see people without clothes on all the time. So I knew what the reconstruction looks like. 
Um, so it wasn't, I wasn't worried about it. Um, so it, do you worry it, about anything? Um, I mean, I worry it's going to come back. That's, that's every worry, but that's going to be every day of my life now. Cause once you have the C cancer diagnosis, you worry that it's going to come back. Well, I hope it doesn't come back because I can't. I, don't want it to come back. I can't hear about this ice situation. <laughs> well, I did. I do have a have a have a a cup that you know that says "cancer messed with the wrong person." Shall I say? <laughs> it was a different word, but I do like drinking out of it. That is awesome. That is yeah. awesome. You know, I I am glad that we've had this conversation. I'm again. I'm. I love to see you, and I get to see you via Zoom, and it's really more comfortable because I am not naked. I have my clothes on. Nor am I. (laughs) No, I do think the same thing with when, you know, when my sister passed away and even, you know, when my sister was struggling, you know, she did drugs, you know, that's what she was doing. And I never, I didn't hide it. You know, I, I don't think it's, I didn't think it was embarrassing. I thought conversely, like if we're all going through everything together, you know, right. Like you're going through this. Other people, it's like, and I do think if you can talk a little bit, and I think if you can just try to stay like level-headed, because that's the thing, like even, you know, with kids and COVID, like, I don't think my kids are too freaked out about COVID. Like I always say, careful, not crazy, right? Like even today, my sister, my sister, my daughter got out of a car to go to an outdoor play date. By the way, today, it's 27 degrees. So she was invited in. And she put on her mask before she went in the house. You know, no one, that's not our rule. This is a close friend. So she's in our bubble. But, you know, she wasn't like freaked out about it. Like, I know other kids are like, why would I put it like, you know, asking all these questions, as you say. And so I think if we can all just talk about everything, right? Right. And try to see the positive, it's going to be okay. Well, the one thing that I, the couple things that I learned is, you know, when, I had told people right away. And so then other people heard, cause for better or worse, bad news travels fast. And so some people were hesitant about reaching out because they, they knew that they had heard not directly from me, but from somebody else. And I said, you know what? I would never, ever, even if, if patients called the office, I told my staff, they can tell them because it's all coming from a good place, right? Like if someone's reaching out to check on me, cause they heard through the grapevine that I had breast cancer, there's no malicious intent in that at all. I'm not going to be mad at anybody. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, they were talking about me, but not in a bad they were way. They worried about you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, can you believe it? Because it is a little unbelievable because I'm not that old and I had four kids and it's just sort of unbelievable. I'm the first, one of the first few people in our age range to get it. And it's one out of eight. So more people are going to, but, you know, I don't want it to be anyone I know or whatever. And the other thing that I learned is how much people's texts matter. Like, I'm sure there are so many texts that I didn't, I didn't reply to just because I missed it or it came at a bad time. But every time someone texted me and I read it, I was like, God, that's so nice. I mean, I probably, I have enough to write thank you notes probably for the rest of the year. If I wrote five a day, I mean, really, yeah. People sent me flowers, food. Please don't start yeah. writing thank you notes. They don't want a thank you note. They just want I know. I, I've been told that. I've been told that. But but all those things that you like think, well, should I, am I going to bother her if I send a message? Odds are you probably won't. Because like, I was like, that is so nice that they took the time to think of me, even if I didn't reply to like, just check in on me. 
Yeah. And anything I could do. I mean, again, the hard part was COVID. So we were really limited. And it, during the beginning part of my chemo, it, the, it would have been great if people could have taken the kids, but like just out somewhere, but they couldn't go anywhere because of COVID at the time, we didn't know that much about it. And yeah, people weren't wearing masks. So that was the only thing that was tricky is that, you know, my kids are a little bit more jittery about COVID because in the beginning, I really couldn't get COVID. Now they're a little bit better and they're trained and we wear the mask and you know, that's, that's that. All right. Um, you owe me a golf game. Yes. I, I am playing golf this year. I'm kind of <laughs> I mad. All rounds in me. <laughs> I was mad that I didn't get, I said to you, I wanted to get really good when you were buckled so that I could catch up to you. <laughs> I think that's a friendly, nice thing to say to someone that's, that's having severe breast cancer. Right? That's good banter. I, I listen. I'll take that challenge. I'm on it. Actually, you're not. You're not. You're. You're going to laugh at this, but you know, I play in the gap matches, and I literally sent a message being like, "I don't know that I can get ten rounds in, but I'll be able to play in gap the next year, right?" What's <laughs> and, gap? That's a certain kind of a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. The the gap or the golf association of Philadelphia, they play these little matches, inner club matches. It's fun. It's really fun. But I emailed our, our texted our golf pro and he goes, I love that you're thinking about that. And I was like, listen, I, I have an end game here. I got to get through this, but then I'm back on the course, but I did get 10 rounds in. So oh, don't worry. Shit. We're all screwed. Don't all worry. Right. Her name is Dr. Danielle D. Horatius. He's I feel like you're at Bryn Mawr Medical Associates, Bryn Mawr Dermatology. No, Bryn Mawr Medical, Dermatology Associates of Bryn Mawr Medical Specialists. Like I said, <laughs> um, if you have an issue, like you have a growth on your forehead, <laughs> don't call her. I'm kidding. I'm joking. Um, I love that you are here. You know, it, it could have ended up differently. I love that you're still married to the husband who left the disc on the front seat. It's hope for all of us. And I hope I get invited on the vacation of you and the babysitter nurse. I'm, I'm, I'm a good time. I also I also think I should have a big party once COVID is over. But. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you for being you. You are I, the best. I am grateful that you are my friend. And thank you for doing this. Yay. We love you. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crochelle. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.